Great. It's crying. Just leave me alone. Just leave my boyfriend alone. <laughs> Can you pass me my blush? Your what? The blush. It's makeup. You know, like what your mom throws at you when the vodka runs out? I never had a mom, okay? Joan, I didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't have a mom. Oh, uh, for a second there, I felt bad for you, even though everything's going great for me. Is that crazy? Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. Okay, and I know it's going to turn on us eventually, but the show's just straight up good now, huh? Eight episodes in, still good. We are on episode eight of season seven, Pretty in Blue. We meet a shiny brand new character here. I know, Nick slash Jack. Yeah, who I have seen a lot of slash stuff about this character on the internet. I don't know how rooted in canon that is. Or just if everyone was picking up on the insane amount of chemistry this dude has with Henry. Yeah, it is. There are sparks flying. And you know what? Like, I ship it. Yeah. We're heading into David slash every person who's not his wife territory. <laughs> Seriously. Except, except I do like Henry with Jacinda, assuming that is his wife, which we now have questions about. Seriously. But you know what? I'm like here for a thruple. Like, Jacinda, Henry, and Jack slash Nick. I'm down with it. Also, Lucy is firing on all cylinders in this episode. Oh my god. She is bringing some serious meta commentary here. Is is she on the Once Upon a Time forums while this season is going on? Yeah, I think she's moderating them. Lucy is like Henry season five levels of awesome. So should we just jump right into it? As a reminder, Hook was looking for a missing girl in Seattle who turned out to be Mother Gothel. Yes, whose Hyperion Heights name is Eloise. Yes, Eloise Gardner, who is also his one-time sex partner who magically had a baby in one night. Uh, That baby is, of course, Alice, who is a runaway with some very ill-defined mental issues in Seattle. And also, in Seattle, she's awake. She's aware of the curse. Now, you... Ish. Yeah. Yeah, We have that thing where it's... Everyone thinks she has mental issues, and maybe that's what's going on, but maybe she's awake, and she's got two sets of memories who are fighting each other. Well, no, no, she's definitely awake, because remember, a couple of episodes ago, she woke up Rumple. It's true. By By shooting shooting him. him. We're assuming Rumpel's awake. There were a lot of things that very heavily implied that he was awake without outright stating it. So even though we're all assuming he's awake, I guess it's technically possible he might not be. But he is. And uh, Henry and Jacinda sort of broke up. Like, she started kind of ghosting him. Because Regina, who is awake, took... I don't want to say took bad advice from Drizella because it's more like Drizella threatened her. No, no, it's not bad advice. We have been informed that Drizella did something to the spell so that if it's broken, something bad will happen. And they're doing the thing that annoys me where they're not telling us what it is. But for that reason, Regina is keeping Henry and Jacinda apart so that they won't share true love's kiss and break the spell. Hmm. And back in the flashback that we've been watching, or 
back in the fairy tale land storyline because mm. I'm still not certain that it takes place in the past. Really? I mean, I'm like ninety percent certain, but just in case, I am. I am holding the line that maybe it doesn't. But in the fairy tale flashback, Henry and Jacinda are starting a revolution and falling in love, like you do. Yes, against a king we still haven't seen. We've seen two of his kids, who are both dead now, but we've we're two princes deep, and we haven't seen the king once. Yeah, that is weird. Now that you mention it, you think he's going to be someone? No, I don't. You just think they need someone to fight against? Yes, I do. Speaking of fighting, uh, Henry and Ella, in this context, are sword fighting to practice murdering the king's guards, I guess. We've very conspicuously seen Henry avoid murdering people. I mean, he's hit them... He's definitely no David. He's hit them very hard in the head with metal objects, but it's a fantasy show, so presumably that's not a fatal thing to do to someone yeah yeah i mean if if you brain someone with you know a sharp metal lunchbox that person would probably die but yeah they definitely would but not in a fantasy show look at me. or really any tv show like in television in general whether it's fantasy or not people take blows to the head a lot better than they do in the real world I mean, remember when Cordelia pointed out to Giles how often he gets knocked out and she, how it's a miracle he's not in a coma? Yeah! Which then became horrible foreshadowing, unintentionally, with what ended up happening to Cordelia in yeah. Angel. Although that wasn't from being hit in the head, that was from magic. Yeah, from having to mystically give birth to a god thing... A power that was a former god, but not in the way Glory was a god. No, she was a... She was a... Celestial being. Yes, but she was like a fallen celestial being, like Satan. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Angel. In Once Upon a Time, though, Henry and Ella are sword fighting, and... Practice sword fighting. They're practice not... sword fighting. Yeah. He manages to disarm her and swoop her in close so they can almost kiss but not quite kiss and ella says oh i you know i took too many chances i got too ambitious and henry says because they're going to be the arc words for this episode hey no risk no reward Mm. it's also kind of funny he accuses her of cheating earlier in the fight and she's like it's not cheating in a sword fight and i was like this is weirdly reflective of the sword fight that introed this season between henry and hook which is funny because in that sword fight, Hook was cheating. Like, Ella is right. It's not cheating when you're practicing because, of course, the king's guards are going to do dirty things when you're fighting with them. But what Hook did was wait until they were done and then come after Henry. That's definitely cheating. God, fuck Hook. Ugh. Seriously. What the fuck, Hook? I'm still... Also, hey, remember that one time Hook, you know, tried to send Emma's entire family to hell? Are you saying that was cheating? I mean, everyone did end up going to hell later. Uh, For different reasons. How weird is that? He spends like two episodes trying to send them to hell. They fight really hard to stop him. And then they all just end up going to hell to rescue him. He must have been really embarrassed about that. All he had to do to get them to hell was to fake his own death instead of causing all of the other dark ones to rise. Also, you know what? Let's not relitigate how terrible that season was because Dark One Hook is legit the worst. 
And I'll just get angry talking about that when we have this nice episode to talk about. It's true. We do. Henry and uh, Ella almost kiss, but then they don't. And Ella's like, and I was like, I'm not sure I can be involved with someone romantically because of something in my past, which may or may not come up over the course of this episode. Also, there's a creepy lady who's watching us from behind some trees over there. And the creepy lady is Alice, which is an evergreen sentence. So I love Henry because his reaction to Alice is basically Willow's reaction to the first Slayer when she's digging through Buffy's memories in the, you know, penultimate uh, episode, uh, in the penultimate episode before the season five finale. Uh Uh-huh. Where she's like, hey, you're the first Slayer. You, You tried to murder us all in our dreams. How's it going? Yeah, Henry's like, hey, I remember you. You drugged me and tied me up. What you up to? And Alice is like, uh, I heard that your uh, quasi-stepdad guy is my dad, and I, you know, want to come say hi to him. And Henry's like, okay, fine, whatever. Henry is not phased because, after all, everyone is related to Henry, so he, I guess it makes sense that this is the daughter of the mirror version of his stepdad. I would ask Jacinda some questions before, you know, moving forward with that relationship. Ooh, good point. Uh, see, this is the negative thing about everyone being related. Yeah, but somehow everything manages to work out so that nothing's incest, so I think it's okay. I think he's o- I think he's okay just trusting the universe to take care of that for him. Mm. What's funny is while they're having this conversation, Hook is talking to... Regina, because Regina and Drizella were practicing magic near the ruins of a tower, which was, of course, the tower where Alice was trapped because the whole reason she was born was to take on Mother Gothel's curse. So she was trapped in the Rapunzel Tower for her whole life. And Hook has been looking for her. So when he finds out the tower is in ruins, he is very upset for a second, you know. You know, because he's assuming that his daughter's dead. But shocker, she isn't. She's right here. She calls him Papa because that's like... What they do in this show? I'm not... I don't love it. Mm. It's not my favorite thing. I mean, it's fine, whatever, but... uh. I guess it's better than Daddy. Yes. Which, I hate that the internet has ruined that as a thing, but... Well, especially now, because remember, this hook has been de-aged, which means he's not that much older than Alice. So, no, I don't want Alice calling him Daddy. Weird. Yeah. So, I guess Papa is the lesser of two evils here. I guess. And she can't do father because, you know, he's not some sort of high lord and she's not his scheming daughter who's looking to overthrow him and take over the kingdom. Actually, I think father would be the best. Hmm. I I feel like father's like a, if your dad is evil or if you're evil, father. I, it's fine. But... Yeah, Alice and Hook have a little reunion where she's like, oh my god, you're not old and fat and drunk anymore. What happened? Well, what's going on there? And, and he's Hook's like, like, and Hook's like, magic. Magic, don't worry about it. And then but, he's like, wait, how did you get out of the tower? Well, he knew that she got out of the tower, but she he also knew that there was some curse between the two of them where if they were in the same physical space... One of them would die. Mother Gothel poisoned his heart so that they can't touch each other. And what Al- an extra unnecessary thing to do. Right? 
And and also, when did that happen? Because that wasn't going on when she was born. So that happened at some point. Later. Presumably that was part of her escaping the tower, right? No, no, she was gone. Oh, you mean part of Alice escaping the tower? Yeah. You know, no, I think those are two separate things. What the shit, dude? I mean, basically Alice has her own entire backstory that we could deal with. And maybe we will. We've got several more episodes. But, like... Are people just stacking curses on this girl? Yeah, I mean, that is kind of her deal, isn't it? Like, just people coming up and, like, spraying their bad magic at her all the time. That's, like, the whole story of Alice in Wonderland. And also Alice's Adventures Underground. And also Alice Through the Looking Glass. I do kind of like that Alice has such a rich backstory. And... We aren't told the whole story, but it's like, we may get it. We may not get it. It doesn't matter. We understand that she has a rich backstory. As opposed to this thing that we already mentioned with the reason the curse can't be broken, which from the scenes we've seen is a thing that should have been revealed to the audience. It's being hidden in a manner that feels manipulative instead of organic. Yeah, it's not my favorite thing. But here, Alice says, no, it's fine. I found a way to break the curse. We're totally cool. And she runs up to hug him, and then immediately the curse kerplodes in Hook's chest. Yeah, he gets thrown back, and his heart is all glowing green, and it is very bad, and Alice books it. She just runs away. She's like, nope, I am out of here. She books it, and then she just fucking portals out. Yeah, Regina tells Henry and Ella to go after her while she takes care of Hook, and they chase after her, and she jumps through a portal. Which is just chilling out there in the middle of the forest. I mean, it's probably the one she came through. How long do portals stay open here? Is this one of those naturally occurring portals, or does Alice have some sort of portal magic going on? It probably varies from portal to portal. Because uh, Drizella will later in the episode reference uh, one of alice's little rabbit holes oh yeah maybe alice has the natural ability to create portals Mm, like the rabbits did in once upon a time in wonderland oh that's cool also that makes sense based on a thing we're gonna see later that blew my mind Mm -hmm. so alice jumps through the portal and alice like okay let's go after her and henry's like "Uh, don't we have a rebellion and like we have like our own story going on back here there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and Ella's like, okay, it's not that I definitely have unfinished business in Wonderland, but uh, like I said earlier, no risk, no reward. And Henry's like, I don't see how that applies here, but fine. And they both jump through the portal. Yeah, they both jump through the portal to Wonderland so that we can get a backdoor pilot for a show that was canceled three years before this episode aired. Dang. It's weird, right? It is weird. Also, this is very clearly a different Alice, which is fine. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they told us there are lots of different Alices, so okay. So, back in non-fairy tale land in Seattle, Jacinda is visiting Lucy at the foster home, which looks kind of like an orphanage, but I guess it doesn't really matter because she's not going to be here that long. Yeah. Lucy wants... Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yes. Lucy wants to know why she can't just go home with Jacinda now that Victoria is in jail for kidnapping that girl and holding her for, like, ten years. And Jacinda's like, well, just because grandma did some, you know, seriously messed up shit doesn't mean I'm still not vaguely implied to be an alcoholic, so... I mean, they don't really... 
they've never told us why she lost custody, but at some point, someone decided she was an unfit mother. They really, really vaguely implied that it was because she was an alcoholic early on, and then they just never really did anything with that. Yeah, Victoria made a comment about her drinking when she was in Ronnie's bar. She said that this is why you lost Lucy. Or this is why we have Lucy in the first place. Yeah, see, I thought she meant alcohol is the reason you got pregnant. Yeah. This is why we have Lucy. But that was mentioned basically once, and we've seen her, it's not like she's in recovery, we've seen her drinking, it just doesn't seem to be an issue now. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's just implied that she was irresponsible, but she's just a young single mother who's struggling. Like, hello, welcome to a huge portion of the population. Yeah, so, I honestly am not sure why she... And here's the thing, I don't think we're ever gonna find out. I mean, I don't think there's legitimately a reason. I think it's just blah, blah, curse crap, but... Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, this annoys me more than Regina not writing backstories for her curse. It's like, there is so little work putting it put into this backstory. All that's important is that she no longer has custody of Lucy. Not why, not where, not when, not how, not who. Well, I... yes, who, Lucy, but... yes. But she's ready to get it back, and she decides she needs a lawyer. And Tiana, or Sabine, rather, is like, hey, you know who just graduated from law school? And Jacinda's like, not him. We can't go to him for help. He'll probably make things much worse. You could use his name. That would tell us literally nothing. Well, I don't know. Maybe they wanted us to think that the person is somebody that we know from the past. It's definitely what I thought. I definitely thought we were going to get an old character instead of a new character. But but Sabine tells Jacinda, hey, no risk, no reward. Boy, they're hammering that in a lot at the beginning of this episode. I think it stops coming into the plot like halfway through. They just really, really wanted to establish the concept of arc words this episode. Later, Henry's going to explain arc words to Ella. A lot of his relationships kind of boil down to him explaining things to people. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Look at who his first girlfriend was. Okay, but also he's literally the author. So I know it's it puts him in a terrible mansplainy position, but also like... It is literally his destiny to explain things to people. Yes. Speaking of Henry, Henry is recording an interview with Ivy for his blog. Yeah, okay, let me tell you though. He's recording in portrait mode. Turn the phone around, Henry. It's interesting that that's your issue. My issue is that he basically stops mid-sentiment because she's like, I didn't know, I never knew my mother was capable of this. Tear, tear. And he's like, perfect. And I'm like, that's not a good ending point for the interview. And apparently there's more interview to go. So you're just going to cut weirdly. But how are you doing this, Henry? Maybe Henry was like halfway through the interview and he realized it was bad and he's not going to put it on his blog at all. So he's just trying to like speed it up without just saying this isn't going to work out. Oh, that's great. I think I've got everything I need. We're done now. Please leave. Please leave my apartment or her apartment. I think. I think they're in, I think they're in the, 
No, no, they're in the back of Ronnie's. Uh, I see. Okay, I feel like Ronnie's changes layouts every time we look at it. Well, I think it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, so it just has more and more rooms. Yeah, because I remember it as being like, there was a wall, there was a bar, and there were like five stools, and then there were like... There was room for some tables, and now there's, like, a chandelier and a staircase and a couch. and Yeah, now there's, like, a loungy area behind the dining area. See, the dining area is over here, and the loungy area is over here. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but are, is it, it feels like they just keep on expanding this restaurant because they keep on needing to put more stuff in there. Also, if you'll look, you'll notice there's a staircase yeah, yeah, that's what in I... the back corner. So there's, like, an entire another level that we haven't even gotten to yet this this place is uh it's the it's the winchester house of bars uh, i thought you were gonna say that is it the house of leaves is that that one yes uh, i love that book yeah so ivy is flirting with henry and she flirts with him the way that you would flirt with a 20 something white guy in seattle she tells him he should start a podcast well, she tells him how much she likes his blog and how maybe Belfry Industries is going to invest in his creative ventures. Yep, but specifically in a podcast. You don't, I mean, you don't invest in a podcast. I know there are some sponsored podcasts, but they're all bad. The only way that you invest in a podcast is like audible sponsorships or supporting their Patreon hey, if you want to support our Patreon, you should go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com and click on our Patreon link. We have recorded the Descendants uh, special podcast for patrons only, which should be up by now. So, yeah. So this weird ego-stroking session is interrupted by Regina, who's like, hey, Henry, I'm sorry to bother you, but could you be literally anywhere else but here right now? Like, I think I have, I don't know, Something in the back room I want you to go stare at for maybe about four or five minutes while I have a conversation with Ivy. And he's like, okay. Yeah, she sends him down into the keg room. And then she gets all like... Mama bear. I was going to say mama bear on Ivy. She's like, stay away from my son, you bitch. And Ivy's like, "Mm, I don't know. How would you feel if I told him that you're the one who told Jacinda to dump him? Because you don't want whatever's going to happen to happen. And Regina's like, you know, I could take you down right now. And Ivy's like, you don't have magic. And I and Regina's like, I have a baseball bat. I could just cave in your head with a baseball bat. Which is, like, fucking dark. But yeah, you, you go, Regina. And Ivy's like, yeah, but if you do that, the curse will break. And the mysterious thing that you don't want to happen will happen. They're, they're taking they're taking so much trouble to not say what this thing is. I know, it really annoys me. I assume that someone is near death, and when the curse is broken, they'll die. Like, that's my assumption. Yeah. Regina also wants to know why Ivy is working with Mother Gothel, and Ivy's like, um, I'm not gonna villain monologue at you. I'm a millennial, I know better than that. Ivy is great. She's like, I've seen The Incredibles. I... You almost got me monologuing, you sly dog. I really do love Ivy as a villain. I like her because, as I believe we mentioned before, she's not at either end of the extremes once upon a time villains tend to be at. She's engaged without being a scenery carnivore. Yeah, right. (laughs) But she's not 
so dialed back. She's not Hades. She's not just... Non-invested. Yeah, she's not doing... She's not doing cold or hot villainy. Okay, now I do have an issue with this whole thing, though. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of related to just tell us what the deal is with the curse. Regina really should just tell Henry what's up. She should, especially with how we see her interacting with Weaver later in the episode. Regina should really just be upfront about this sort of thing. Henry could take it. Henry could absorb that information and accept it and deal with it. But no, that's not what we're going to get, at least not this episode. You know, when Regina was woken up a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how she had been asleep for just the right amount of time. It was just starting to get annoying. And that's accurate. I'm annoyed that Henry is not awake yet. Mm. It doesn't bother me as much. If it goes on for like, I'd say three more episodes, it will be annoying. I mean, it's only just starting to bug me. I'm not like, I'm not Peter Pan levels of annoyed right now. Because the rest of the story is still moving forward. Yeah, and you know what? That's probably part of it. There's not a lot of Henry in the present day stuff happening in these last few episodes. Again, it's not the Peter Pan season. We're not just all wandering around on an island waiting for the plot to catch up. Jesus, that season. So many people, when I tell them I do a podcast about Once Upon a Time, respond with, Oh, yeah, I stopped watching it the Peter Pan season. It's bad. So bad. So, speaking of bad... Hook walks into the police station and everyone starts applauding him because he found that missing girl he was looking for. Oh yeah, you did your job. You want a fucking medal over it? He probably does. He probably gets one. Also, does Eloise Gardner not have, like, parents? It seems weird that this missing girl, who was apparently a super normal girl, didn't have any sort of support system that shows up when she gets found. I mean, maybe she didn't have parents. Also, remember, she was gone for 10 years, so a lot can happen to parents in 10 years. Hmm. So speaking of Eloise Gardner, uh, Mother Gothel shows up and she's like, thank you for rescuing me. I made you a cake because this is apparently Mario 64. I'd say it's more portal because the cake is a lie. Well, we don't know that. We're pretty sure it's a lie. I like that Mother Gothel, she, when she was in the tower, she had long, matted gray hair, and now she still has long, braided blonde hair, but it's like, she's cleaned up, but she still has the long... Wildness about her. Yes, exactly. But uh, over at Ronnie's, are you ready for a meet-cute? Okay, so this is the worst way to pick someone up, because if someone is at a bar and they're wearing headphones... Don't go over and tap on their shoulder and be like, hey, I love that music. That's an asshole thing to do. But you know what? It works here. Uh, Henry is listening to Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order, which I wonder if that'll factor into this episode at all. Oh my god, I didn't even think about the fact that the name of the song is Bizarre Love Triangle. Now, to be fair... This man, who is Nick, who approaches Henry, he doesn't tap on his shoulder to tell him to take the headphones off. He walks over, genuinely is pleasantly shocked to see what he's listening to, and taps his own ear so that Henry takes off his headphones. He Ah. does not make physical contact, 
And he waits until Henry responds to his surprise. Like, he's genuinely moved. Henry looks up and sees it. He takes off his headphones. And the guy's like, oh my god, you love the same bands I do. We should get together. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, you love New Order? New Order. You love New Order? I love New Order. That's like my third favorite song. It's not my favorite song. Their best song is clearly, and they both say Temptation at the same time. Yeah, Temptation. And Henry's like, most people say Blue Monday. He's like, most people would be wrong. And there's a lot of instant chemistry between these two. And Jacinda walks in and she's like, oh, this is so awkward. Jacinda's like, this is literally my worst nightmare. Also, when she says to Nick, I see you've met Henry. Nick says, oh, you're that Henry. Meaning that Jacinda has already told him about Henry. Well, he's like, you're Henry Mills. You wrote Lucy's favorite book. And Henry's like, how do you know Lucy? Uh, He's like, oh, oh, I get it. You're, you're. Yep. Nick is Lucy's dad. Yeah. Lucy's birth dad, who hasn't been in her life at all for the past 10 years, presumably at Jacinda's request. Yes. I mean, he seems like a really decent guy, so we're going to have to assume that Jacinda asked him to. This whole thing just threw a big old bucket of cold water over Henry. Yep, yep. Because nothing kills your boner faster than finding out that the guy you're flirting with is the ex of the woman who just dumped you. Yeah, I think that's an accurate statement. And Henry's like, so, that's your ex, huh? He seems... Seems pretty cool. And uh, Jason just like, I mean, if you like... If you like tall, dark, handsome lawyers who can fill out a suit, yeah, I guess he's cool. Uh, I thought you were going to say, uh, I guess if you're into guys who are like super up their own butts about, you know, vaguely indie music and Henry's like, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that... Henry and Nick don't look that different. I mean, this could just be all white guys looking the same to me. Mm. But they look very similar. Before we found out who Nick was, I was legit thinking that this was like a fight club situation where Nick and Henry were going to end up being the same person and the curse had just separated them into two people. I don't actually think they look that similar. I'm also not great with faces there was a fairly long period of time where i had elliot gould and i thought elliot gould and uh george seagal were the same person the dad from just shoot me oh okay even though they don't look alike at all i mean but i'd never seen them both in the same place so anyway uh, we cut to Wonderland, where uh, Ella and Henry basically immediately get caught in a net trap. Yeah, which Henry calls a white rabbit trap, which I'm not a fan of because the white rabbit doesn't actually use traps like that. And, okay, it's a rabbit trap, except it's not really a rabbit trap because if it was for rabbits, it wouldn't be big enough to catch humans. So no part of what you said other than the word trap is makes any sense if you're not making an Alice in Wonderland reference and Ella isn't from the world without magic so she hasn't read Alice in Wonderland so what are you doing Henry what are you doing although she is familiar with Wonderland as a concept yeah but as a place as a place yeah full of white rabbits that talk and shit yeah I know but 
assuming this is the same Wonderland. Right. But in that case, it would imply that this was a trap created by white rabbits, which I also don't think is the case. Or is it? I, I don't remember the Wonderland season well enough to say, although this is probably a different Wonderland. Yeah, because it's a different Alice. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's just one Wonderland, like the Mojoverse in X-Men, where there's only one Mojoverse, but there's just different versions of people who go through it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure how consistent that is, but it's it's been put forth that there is only one Mojoverse. Okay. Well, Henry decides that he's in a weirdly compromising position with a woman he has a crush on where they're like literally being pressed together by a net that they're both trapped in so definitely the thing to do right now is uh talk about his grandparents (laughs) that henry is one smooth operator okay in a scene that is not entirely bereft of sexual tension henry and uh Ella are doing a kiss lean inside the net, even though he was like, hey, this is how my grandparents hooked up. And she's like, that sounds pretty fucked up. And he's like, it is if you think about it too much. Well, he, they need to get out of the net trap and Henry can't reach for his own sword because of the way they're, you know, trapped. So she has to reach down and... So she does, it looks like a kiss lean. He kind of closes his eyes and opens his mouth a little bit as she leans in with her eyes closed and her mouth open. And then she grabs the handle of his sword, which is not bereft of sexual imagery. Yeah, absolutely. So she reaches down, grabs the handle of his sword, and gives one sharp yank. And then they are released, spilling forth onto the ground. Hilt. Hilt. What did I say? Handle. Eh. 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 So. That's two almost kisses in the episode. Yes. I did not. I hadn't thought about it until you said this, but apparently the rule of three applies to jokes and also to almost kisses. So we'll keep our eye out for the next time they almost kiss. I almost counted it here because they have an almost kiss again on the ground, but I think it's contained within the context of the original first almost kiss. Yeah, it's all part of one almost kiss. Then Henry decides he's feeling pretty worked up from being so close to Ella, so he definitely has to keep talking about his grandparents. Jesus Christ, Henry. He tells Ella that they had, he calls it a motto. They had a motto, which was, we will always find each other. You're aware that you live in a series of stories, Henry. It's okay for you to use the phrase arc words. Ella says, what the fuck is wrong with your family that they had that kind of motto? And how often were they separated? And Henry's like, look, you really don't want me to get into it. It was cool maybe twice. Henry also tells her that that's how family is. Family always finds each other. And then Ella reminds him to check his privilege, Mm. that all families are not his family, and maybe other people have much more tragic backstories than he does. What is this, Descendants 2? Totally is. Descendants 2, Ben checks his privilege. Yeah, yeah. Ella tells Henry that unlike her, that unlike him, her stories didn't all have happy endings. He's like, you know your story's not over yet, right? And she's like, shut up. And then they go off to find Alice. 
so back in Seattle, Henry has brought uh, Lucy a copy of his book because she wants to figure out who Nick really is. Yeah, yeah. And Henry's like, okay, Nick is a real guy. He's a real guy who's really hot and he's got a good job and he's got a great taste in music. And uh, Lucy's like, do you, do you need a moment? And he's like, I'm fine. Keep going. She's like, he's the third part. She's like, he's the third part of a love triangle. He's the Apollo. She actually references season one. She's like, he's not my dad. You are. And you're already in my life. Okay. I know that you want me to be your dad. Okay. But sometimes things are a little more complicated than that. Complicated. <laughs> That's it. What we have here is a classic Catherine Nolan situation. Prince Charming only thought he was married to Catherine because the curse wanted to keep him and Cinderella apart. Lucy, even if your curse theory is right, this book ends with Henry meeting Cinderella. How do you know they even get together after that? What if I'm the Catherine? And I'm totally cool with that. No one wants to be the Catherine. She's been watching the show. I know. Okay, so I was going to say she's so like her father, except as we might discuss perhaps henry is not actually her father but she has this genre savviness down to a science i just adore her she's great and they use her just the right amount which is nice i think one of the things that turned us against henry in the early seasons was sort of the overuse of his character yeah that might have been it I think making him kind of the linchpin of the series in a way that Lucy is not really the linchpin of the series here. It's this this season, the if anything is the linchpin, it's the relationship between Henry and Ella, Jacinda. So also, God, is it weird that Henry wrote a book where the main character has his first name? I know. Self-insert much, Henry? Like... I kind of get why your book didn't do that well. Who are you, Dante? <laughs> that that actually did really well, though. Yes, that did do very well. But since Henry brings it up, it's entirely possible that Henry is not actually Lucy's father. It's true. We don't really know enough about what went down in fairy tale land. And as we're going to see... I don't know. I'm just saying, parentage is becoming questionable. We know that Henry was raising her back in the Enchanted Forest. That's true, but or that... wherever. That's true. Although that really just feeds into the... Adopted parents are real parents sub-message of this show. Yes. And by this show, you mean our podcast. Yes. Not so much always once upon a time. Although sometimes once upon a time, there's been no question in later seasons that Regina is Henry's mom. Yeah, I guess they kind of moved past that after the first and second season or so. Well, after they decided to retcon the Regina doesn't really love Henry thing that... Which was by, by the end of the first season. Yeah, from that point on, she's his mom. She's just evil sometimes. Back in Wonderland, Ella and Henry are at that part where they're in the room and there's the tiny door that they have to go through. Yes. To enter the infinite maze. Is this the same Wonderland? I feel like we saw the infinite maze before. I do remember the infinite maze. Yes, the infinite maze was in 
the Wonderland that we saw in previous seasons. I don't know if it appears in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Hmm. So Ella's like, ooh, the infinite maze. I need to go through this to get my answers. And Henry's like, so this wasn't just an altruism thing. We're helping out Alice then. There's another purpose. And she's like, well, duh. Yeah, Ella decides to fill Henry in on her backstory. She has this pendant. Okay, so this pendant is basically like a physical manifestation of the weird... Of her parents' true love. Well, I was going to say of Snow and David's heart connection thing. Oh, yeah, it is that. So it's half of a cameo locket. They're they're matching lockets. Oh, I, I thought they fit together. Or are they just a set? Uh, she said they each got a matching locket. I don't know if that is how lockets match. Also, it's got a cameo portrait on it. Lockets don't usually have cameo portraits on the outside. It doesn't matter. It's a magic necklace, and they love each other so much. Her parents, that is. Her parents love each other so much that they glow with their love. Oh, side note. She just throws away real fast that the man she's talking about, who she's referring to her father, is actually her stepfather because her mother remarried this man when she was very young and he raised her okay yes the order of events of events are her mother and some other guy had her the guy the other guy left her mom married the man she considers to be her father because he raised her then her mom left then that guy married lady tremaine he died so she's like on her does that mean like lady tremaine is a second tier step parent Yeah, yeah. You know, Cinderella is very careless with parents. I mean, to quote the importance of being earnest, to lose one parent is tragedy, but to lose two seems like carelessness. And she's lost three at this point. I know! She's just burning through parents all willy-nilly. Also, does this make her the perfect woman for Henry, given how many parents Henry ended up having? It's true. She keeps losing parents, but Henry has an abundance of them. He should definitely share the wealth. Yeah, he's only lost, like, one. Yeah. He's currently clocking in at, what, two moms and one dad? Well, okay. He's, wait, he's got, who are you counting as his dad? Because he's got Neil. His his bio dad. His bio dad. Who he lost because he died. Yes. Because of Zelina, which no one seems to mention, but eh. He's got Hook, his stepdad. That's who I was counting as his current dad. Okay, but what about Mirror Universe Hook, who he's adventuring with now? Does Mirror Universe Hook count as one of Henry's parents? And also, don't forget, you said he has two moms. He has three moms. Oh, that's right. He has uh, he has Emma, he has Regina, and he has the evil queen who has split off from Regina. Yes. Who sometimes also goes by Regina, so that's confusing, but... Yes, Henry currently has four parents. Yeah, he should share. But back to Cinderella's backstory. Her father and her mother, we're just going to call him her father, right? Yeah. Okay. The man who raised her, her father. Exactly. Her father and her mother had these magic lockets that glue with love. And then one day, for no reason that she knows, her mother just got up and left them. This is why you leave a note. (laughs) Yes, as we will hear. Her dad, her, her dad decided he needed to go find her, so he came here. 
Yes, she left them by running to Wonderland and then disappearing into the Infinity Maze. Infinite Maze. The Infinite Maze. And her dad was like, oh, well, I guess you need to go into the Infinite Maze to look for her. How, How big can it be? So he travels the Infinite Maze for a period of time. And then one day the necklace stops glowing because at that moment, her mom just stopped loving her dad. And he was like, well guess that's the end of that what a weird assumption to make i know i think the much more logical assumption is spoiler what turns out to be the case that she died yeah also i feel like a lot of this could have been solved by ella's mom leaving a note yeah yeah she really should have communicated her reason for leaving before she left otherwise this is what was bound to happen so he came back very very sad that his wife disappeared into a maze and presumably stopped loving him and it broke down his self-esteem so much that he married lady tremaine yep and then died so now ella is going to drink the drink me potion go into the maze find her mom and get some answers which okay so okay whatever but henry responds wait there's only enough potion in that drink me potion for one person that means you're gonna go and leave me out here you can't do that you have to let me go help you and i just love that henry doesn't need to be told that the potion shrinks you ella doesn't say that henry just says there's only enough potion for one person he knows that because of a story and ella doesn't question why he knows that i love that it's just like yeah doesn't everybody know that this potion shrinks you yeah i mean uh, presumably this is just common knowledge god i bet wonderland has books written about it in her country too and it's just like don't go to this place it's the fucking worst oh my god i really want like the wonderland a to z you know like the wonderland travel guide yes so you need to shrink to get into the infinite maze which she does and she runs off and henry's like ella this is such a bad idea it's called the infinite maze for a reason yeah but before he can get too upset about her running off we cut back to hyperion heights where jacinda is wearing a really really nice dark blue dress yes you know it's funny when we watched this episode the first time i thought it was black although now i see it's obviously navy blue and she is pretty in blue. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very simple dress, but it looks so good on her. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's... I mean, a beautiful woman wearing a simple dress looks beautiful? Huh? <laughs> it's a good cut for her. It is. She's going to meet Nick at Walrus & Co. Oh! Uh, like yeah. the Walrus and the Carpenter? Yes. From Alice in Wonderland? Huh? Better watch out, Jacinda. An allegory is going to get you. So Sabine is Sabine is not so thrilled with Jacinda going off to meet Nick at a fancy restaurant where there's candles and probably music. And yeah, she's like, I thought we were just inviting Nick back into your life so that he can get Lucy back. I don't want you going like round the bases with him. There will be no baseball in this house. Yeah, Sabine is just looking out for her friend's heart. And I get the feeling that... And it's funny because I really thought that Lucy was the result of a one-night stand. But the way Sabine talks about it, and from what we'll hear later, 
sounds like Jacinda actually got her heart broken by this guy over and over again. Well, you know what it really sounds like uh, to me, especially when we get more into their relationship when Jacinda's talking to Nick later in the episode. What's that? Uh, You know that song in the last five years, Better Than That? Which one is that? It's the one where she's talking about uh, Carol Ann, uh, my best friend, had a little situation at the end of our senior year. Yes. It's it's basically that, the beginning of that song. It sounds like, you know, they were involved when they were both fairly young. Uh, you know, she got pregnant. He couldn't really handle it. I feel like it's more as opposed to they got together when they were young and she got pregnant and he couldn't take it and took off and now we're here. I feel like it was more, and to be honest, what I'm about to say is giving Nick more of the benefit of the doubt. I feel it was more they were like on again, off again. He kept coming back and breaking her heart. They kept getting back together, breaking up. And then when she got pregnant, she realized that she needed to stop the cycle and she told him to stay away. And Mm. that was what stopped the cycle. I said he couldn't take it. I meant more like Jacinda's like, I can't be in a relationship with you and raising this baby at the same time. You need to not be involved. Yeah, we'll talk about that next scene when we get to it. But Nick was irresponsible when they were together. Yes. So. Oh, my God. I love this scene so much from Rogers's point of view. Oh, my God. Right? Like, remember how we used to do what is this show from Henry's point of view? Or, sorry, remember how we used to do What is the Show from Regina's point of view, assuming the curse is not real? Yeah, or later when we did What is the Show from Henry's point of view, since he doesn't know about the curse, so he's just in this weird town where people keep on talking about weird shit with his mom. Yeah, so here is this scene from Detective Rogers' point of view. So Detective Rogers is about to cut himself off a nice thick slice of thank you for saving me from being kidnapped cake. And Regina comes in. Ronnie. Ronnie. Ronnie comes in and she says that she's looking for Weaver and she's got some stuff to talk to him about. And also, she really wants to know where Eloise is. And he's like, she's at a transitional home. Her parents are... He he very conspicuously does not mention her parents, which... Well, I mean, she's an adult now, but I assume it's like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, you know? She's... She's an adult now legally, but she was held captive for over 10 years, so she doesn't really know how to adult. Mm. Well, I mean, I think her parents would want to be involved even if she was kidnapped for, especially if she was kidnapped for 10 years. I I know that this show is all about parents, and in fact, we're talking about Mother Gothel, so it makes sense for you to keep harping on parents and the lack of them in this particular storyline, but seriously, I just assumed that... Whoever Eloise's imaginary cursed parents were, they're dead and mm. out of the picture. And I didn't really sweat it after I made that assumption. It's just weird that they didn't have, like, a throwaway piece of dialogue about how her parents are dead or in Michigan or something. Yeah. So, uh, so. Ronnie also asks about Tilly. Mm-hmm. And remember regina's awake so she knows that tilly is actually alice is actually hook's daughter so she tells hook that after last week when he was so mean to her for helping out weaver which understandable he thinks that she was helping weaver cover up a kidnapping of a young girl yes but ronnie points out that maybe as an abused home but ronnie points out that maybe as a 
homeless girl who, you know... Has vaguely defined mental issues and... And has to fight for herself and her own survival all the time. Maybe she chose to trust Weaver because that was her only option. And maybe he should cut her some slack and possibly give her another person to trust instead. Yeah, which, solid advice. And then she knocks the cake into the garbage yeah she asks where the cake is from he says eloise made it for her and she literally he says eloise made it for him and she just picks it up and tosses it in the trash (laughs) he's like what the fuck and she's like cake's bad for you and leaves she says sugar will kill you (laughs) which that's it's such a fucked up thing to do. That was a wire basket. There wasn't a garbage lining there. That's how you get ants, Regina. That's how you get ants. Okay, also, this is my favorite way to deal with a curse. I feel like there are so many times when people are in curses and they try to, like, not let everyone else think that they've gone mad, so they try to talk people around things or like explain why they're doing things and then it's just this supposedly comedic but actually just uncomfortable scene but no Regina's like fuck that she just it's like it's a glass of water and she's a cat she just bats it into the trash that is exactly what it's like man Regina is so a cat isn't she I just love that she doesn't even try to have an explanation and she doesn't even stick around to like apologize sugar will kill you then she turns and walks out oh my god she's amazing i feel like i would have some questions next time i saw her i'm willing to bet that hook doesn't but well yeah hey it's okay it's not like asking follow-up questions is his job or anything So, meanwhile, Gothel is back in the prison tower where she's still trying to foster some plant Seeds magic. Of belief. Yes. In the dirt of belief. And Ivy comes up and she's like, I thought you'd be sick of this place by now. Speaking of beautiful women wearing simple outfits looking gorgeous, she's just wearing a silver skirt with a black jacket over a white shirt, but she looks so good. Her outfit is just so pulled together and amazing. So... Mother Gothel is trying to, we're assuming, grow the plants of belief to get more magic. Yeah, she's trying to get enough magic to wake up Anastasia. We're assuming. They're, she, no, they no, are talking, they're talking about waking up Anastasia and how she's going to need her body for it, but... Yeah. I want to just point out how good all of the angles are in this scene. There's some really interesting camera work. There's a lot of low angle shots from sort of the point of view of the plant that mother gothel is growing and there's some real interesting framing with doorways well this set was a stroke of genius for them because it's the perfect shadowy set with the flickering light and as you are so fond of saying this show works when it leans into horror movie tropes and this set is just perfect for that and the framing of the darkness with the doorways and the implication of liminal space spaces in between it's it's very artistic it works really well for all of these sequences and whoever's idea whoever first came up with the idea for this set 
really created the tone for so much of this season and it works so perfectly i also really like the fact that when ivy asks mother gothel what she's doing up here i figured i figured you'd be sick of this place mother gothel's like this is the one place i can like work magic in the city yeah which i find doubtful she says that if she just tries to grow her plant somewhere else people will ask questions but I don't know. People will just be like, oh, look at those. Look at those hippie pagan people. I mean, I get her not wanting to uh, do it in a transitional house because people would probably ask questions. That's true. But Mother Gothel asks Ivy why she's so invested in uh, bringing her sister back. And Ivy's like, oh, you wouldn't believe sisterly affection. And Mother Gothel's like, mm, really? So Ivy admits that Anastasia has the magic that should belong to Ivy and she wants it back. And Mother Gothel's like, oh, greed, that makes sense. Okay. So Ivy's going to dig through all of Victoria's properties until- Like literally dig through. Until she finds the corpse and then she'll bring it back to uh, Mother Gothel. Mother Gothel will wake her up. She'll- I guess, drain the magic out of her. That seems like it would be easier to do with her in a coma, but... I was going to say, it seems like it would be easier to do in a world that has magic, but yeah, whatever. Whatever Ivy's plan is. So, uh, we cut to Jacinda and Nick having a fancy dinner in the pretty nice restaurant. They're having oysters, because... Of course they are. And uh, Nick's like, not a fan of bivalves, and she's like, eh, and he's like... Because I remember you used to have some pretty big affections for stuff that begins with by wink, wink. I'm still riding on the, I think that something canonically is going to happen with, uh... With Nick and Henry? Well, with Nick's sexuality. I hope you are right. I, I know I just saw a bunch of stuff on the internet, and it's the internet. They th- the internet thinks everything's gay all the time. And I know we already know that this version of Alice is a lesbian, which is amazing, But also, I would just be so excited to get some more queer representation on Once Upon a Time. I mean, canonically. Yeah, canonically, that isn't that one episode. (laughs) Yeah, right? So, we get a little more of their backstory. Uh, Jason is like, I hope you're not sore about me taking Lucy away from you. And he's like, no, I get it. I was a loser with a go-nowhere rip-off Nirvana band. You made the right choice, and it made me realize that I needed to get my life together, got my law degree, blah, blah, blah. He says that he's just gonna shuffle around the paperwork and get her custody back. And speaking of paperwork, he doesn't have the final order signed by a judge granting custody to Victoria. And Jacinda, very suspiciously, says that she will have to look for that. She does not know where that is. Things have been so chaotic recently, etc., etc. And he's like, hey. And he touches her hand very gently. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll get everything together. It's nice. It is nice. And she's like, oh no, He's, he's hot. He's like a, you said he looked a lot like uh, Henry to you, but he really, to me, looks like Dave from Happy Endings. Oh, he does have a kind of Dave from Happy Endings, except cuter and more put together. Yeah, he's like a more put together Dave from Happy Endings. So we go from that to Ella wandering around the maze. I like one of the, uh, there, there's a signpost and, you know, most of it is nonsense, but one of it is, uh, one of the arrows is pointing up and it just says up. It's cute. 
one of the arrows is pointing to a tea party. So guess what happens next? Yes. Uh... Ella, after first proclaiming, I hate this place, follows that arrow to a door and through the doorway is the Mad Hatter's tea party, except no one is there. And there is very conspicuously a Star Wars backpack sitting on the table. Yep, yep. Somebody went to the World Without Magic and snagged a Star Wars backpack at some point. It is sort of next to the Mad Hatter's hat. Is this a reference to Jefferson? You know, I think maybe it could be. But maybe Alice, and, and maybe that maybe they want us to know that Alice, like Jefferson, has the ability to create portals. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm. So, speaking of Alice, she is the only person at this party. She's sitting in a chair that's facing away, and she does the, like, swivel around thing <laughs> to face Ella. She offers Ella a cup of tea because that's what you do. But Ella notices her mother's locket. Her mother's half of the locket on the table. And uh, Alice is like, that's not yours. And Alice is like, uh, it is mine. That belonged to my mother. And Alice is all, oh, you're Cecilia's Ella. Okay, she's dead. Yeah, Alice tells a story, which I have to be honest, I don't think it's true. Hmm. Yeah, I just, I just flat out don't believe it. But Alice's story is that they were having a tea party, they got attacked by a Jabberwocky. Alice eventually defeated it, but not before everyone else was killed, yes. including Ella's mother. Everyone died. Uh, Ella's mother died. That's why the uh, amulet went out. I mean, right? Why isn't that the first thing you assume? Whatever. Yeah. And uh, Alice is like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Your mother's dead. Dead. Thank you for that Clone High reference. (laughs) Ella isn't too pleased to find out that her mother died fighting a Jabberwocky at a tea party. She's like, why was my mother even here? Like, she's still still not a good human for running off and leaving us. And Alice is like, oh yeah? uh, Prepare to feel really bad about yourself because check this out. And she holds up her wrist and there's a mark on the wrist and just in this like what my mom had that mark and alice is all yeah that's the mark of the curse i have with me and you know my dad it's a curse people put it's called the curse of the poisoned heart and it makes it so that if you're around your loved ones they die that's why your mom ran away from you okay but as you so kindly pointed out that's why you always leave a note seriously seriously Does the curse mean that you can't tell people about... Well, maybe, but... Like... Well, no, no, because Alison Alison Hook, no. Yeah. So, yeah. What the fuck, Cecilia? Leave a fucking note. It's very... See, that's the thing. I don't know if we're going to get any more of Ella's backstory, but there are a lot of holes in this story. So, Jacinda's like, wait, why did you think... So... Anyway, Ella's like, why did you think the curse got broken? And, uh... You know, because earlier in this episode, Alice returned to Hook thinking that her curse was broken. And Alice is like, oh, this, like, super bangable sorceress told me that, uh, you know, that she could break it. And she did this, like, light show thing, but I guess it didn't work. She had a weird name. 
Drudgery. Oh, it was Drizella. It was Drizella. Speaking of, Drizella has frozen Henry using the freezing spell his mom taught her. Yeah, Henry is outside again, I guess. I don't know where he thought he was going to go. He clearly should have waited in the cottage for Ella, but I guess they wanted to do this scene outside. I, it's just really weird to me that he's, like, wandering around. Don't wander around. How is Ella going to find you? She's tiny. She will always find him. Oh. Okay. Okay. So Henry's outside when Drizella comes upon him and freezes him. And she just rubs a little salt in the wound by reminding him that it's his mother who taught her how to do the freezing spell. So... Uh, she immediately starts perving on Frozen Henry, which... It's creepy and not consensual. It's not okay. It really weirdly reminds me of The Descendants. You know, the bit where Maleficent shows up near the end and freezes everyone yes. at the coronation. And then immediately starts perving on uh, Jay. Oh, oh, right! Which is creepy because, I mean... I know the actor's in his 20s, but the character is supposed to be like 15. And also it's one of her daughter's friends. I mean, that that is the lesser of the things I know. Actor in 20s, character in teens. But also just generally don't hit on your children's friends. It's weird. Her child's friend and also her friend's child. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, she's Maleficent. She's evil, so... Okay. It's kind of her thing. So, Drizella's evil thing, though, is that she basically did all of this so that she could get Alice to be so upset that she would open a portal and run off to Wonderland again. All of this was so that Drizella could get back... All of this was so that Drizella could get to Wonderland because Wonderland has awesome poisons and Drizella wants to go poison shopping. Yes. So we cut from Frozen Henry getting perved over by Drizella to Henry being a manly man and fixing uh, the food truck that Sabine and uh, that Sabine and Jacinda bought. He looks, I mean, this might just be like the kind of thing I'm into, but he looks so sexy in just like jeans and a white t-shirt and a little bit of motor oil. Yeah, it is a good look for Henry. I, I think this is the most attractive he's looked in the show thus far when he pulls himself out from underneath the truck. I mean, like, I'm into it. I am picking up what he's putting down. Yes. And apparently he's basically done everything to turn this from a regular truck, which is what they bought, into a food truck. Yep, he's basically just gonna do everything that Jacinda needs until she falls in love with him. Fair. Yeah. Also, the engine is fixed now, but he put fairy lights all around the truck too, so it looks really, like, magical. Yeah, they're like fireflies. Yeah! To stick with, you know sabine's theme i mean it looks really great i would buy food from that food truck it doesn't scare me like it did last episode yeah and uh nick and jacinda come in and they're like "Ooh, damn henry you're looking good and so is that truck yes yes and henry is sad to see that jacinda is there looking super hot with nick looking super hot because Nothing worse than seeing two super hot people you want to bone and realizing that they want to bone each other and not you. You know what Nick looks like? 
Graham, except not from this show, but from Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, that was not what I was thinking of, yes, but I was thinking, he looks like a Disney prince. He does! He even has the little, like, lock of hair falling dramatically across his forehead. Like, he really has a kind of live-action Disney prince aesthetic to him. He looks like a Disney prince version of Dave from Happy Endings. There you go. You know, I kind of hope he is Lucy's dad, because I'm really liking Nick. Even though I'm all here for Henry being Lucy's, you know, other dad. Yeah, I mean, Henry has two moms. Lucy can have two dads. Exactly, exactly. I know it's not going to, but I really hope that this season ends with uh, Henry and Nick and Jacinda all deciding to be together and raise, you know, Lucy as a family unit. Oh my god, that would be so amazing. You missed your shot Well, actually, I was going to say you missed your shot last time with uh, Emma and Regina and Hook, but I don't want Hook as part of that sandwich. No, but also the, like, little montage we got of Henry growing up, we do see that Emma and Regina raised him, so... Yeah. We kind of got it. Not really. Not the way we wanted. But kind of. Almost. Mm. So back in the flashback, uh, Drizella picks a certain poison mushroom, which it looks a lot like that magic mind-reading mushroom thing from the King Arthur season, but I guess it's not. I mean, that's an actual type of mushroom, and it's the kind of mushroom that is used as, like, the Ur representation of mushrooms, you know, the red one with the white flecks, but... It's the one Mario uses to grow. Exactly, but that's the thing. It's a very distinctive-looking mushroom that we've already been told does something else. You can't just pick the exact same prop up and pretend it's something else pretend it's the mushroom that poisons people's hearts which is what drizella is telling us well maybe it does something different in different countries or different mystical realms yeah okay i don't know you could have made it like purple or something like right so drizella tells henry who remember is still frozen in front of her that she's gonna poison his heart so that he can't have true love's kiss and ruin her curse after she casts it. So well, I, I guess she didn't learn not to monologue until after the curse was cast. Seriously. And she like she starts cutting open his shirt so that she can, you know, do it. And I love this. I love this so much. Ella just runs up and punches her in the face. Like, there's no preamble, there's no, you'll never get away with this. It's just Ella comes from screen left and BAM! This is the moment that Drizella learns not to monologue. Ella comes out, fucking clocks her. And then she shouts to Alice, who is up on a higher mushroom above them, to throw a mirror on her. Not to, not to crush her, but... Because it it becomes a portal and it sends her somewhere else. And, you know. This is one of the things where, you know, how we we have our running thing about how pointy sticks are never useful against magic. This is sort of an anti-Sailor Moon thing where instead of waiting for Drizella to work up any magic, it's just pow and then mirror. Yeah, and I have to say, especially with Alice being above them and throwing the mirror down, this whole thing plays out, it looks to me, like a WWE match. Yeah. <laughs> like, Alice is up on the... Wire? I don't know what they're called. The ropes? Yes. Like, Alice is up on the ropes, <laughs> and she just, like, throws the mirror. It's... This is a good sequence. It's a good sequence. It's a great sequence. 
And it ends with the third time that Ella and Henry get their faces all close together. And this time they actually kiss. Because uh, Ella's wearing her mother's part of the locket and she puts her father's part of the locket or half of the locket or whatever on Henry. And it starts glowing because they've got true love, y'all. And then they actually kiss and it's very sweet and very hot. Jacinda says... No risk, no reward, because I guess that's going to be their arc words. I mean, it's not really uh, a risk. You two, like, know that you have true love. So, eh. But I do like how we get into, it's not one of the weird kisses this show did, like the Emma and Hook kisses, which I did appreciate that they were ugly, actual, real-world kissing as opposed to the more staged, pretty Mary Margaret and David kissing. I like that this kind of fell between where it was pretty kissing, but with people who seemed to like they were genuinely into it. Yeah, I did think we were watching this. Oh, they're actually kissing. Also, I just have to point out because it's funny to me that your example of people who are not really kissing, because they're not really into each other, is between the two actors who are actually married in real life. Yeah, it, it's it's not the best thing. I'm sure it's that thing Joey said about, you know, couples who have chemistry in real life not being able to portray chemistry on stage or whatever. He just said that to make Chandler feel better. It's not true. Well, I, yeah. Okay, I we've said so many mean things about Josh Dallas and... Okay, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, it could be that it's more uncomfortable to make out with your spouse in real in front of a camera because you know that everybody's like looking at you and knowing that you're really a couple and then it becomes like performing intimacy instead of just doing the scene yeah so back in the real world jacinda runs after henry and she's like hey look i need to tell you something something i didn't tell anyone no one knows this but i didn't actually lose custody of lucy uh, what happened was Victoria convinced me that I couldn't raise her, that I was an unfit mother, and then I signed over my rights to Lucy to her. I gave up Lucy. She wasn't willing to risk anything. Yes. Oh, because it's part of the theme, y'all. Yeah. And honestly, and I'm glad that this show doesn't do a lot of things where people are like, oh, how dare you? And then we have to deal with the fallout of that. It is understandable. It's understandable that she would feel overwhelmed when facing off with the person who's the most powerful person in the city, in the neighborhood, I guess, and that she would sign over her rights because she has convinced herself that she is unfit and this is the way she can still be in Lucy's life. Like, this all makes perfect sense and everybody understands. I like that. I like that nobody is being mean to her about it. And Henry tells her that too. Henry tells her that he understands. It's sort of weird because it's not really a solution to the issue that they were having, which is that he's afraid that she ghosts. He, he's kind of upset because she ghosted him and now she's kind of getting back together with her ex. And this really doesn't have anything to do with that. But she's like, are you, he, he tells her, he's like, look, you just need to tell Nick that so he can do his lawyer magic and get you Lucy back. And she's like, you're not upset. You're not upset that I'm going to the other man for the help that I need. And he's like, no, I want you to get Lucy back too. Like, and I like Nick. Nick seems like a cool guy. I'm just disappointed because I thought we were going to start having sex. And now you're going to start having sex with him. 
everybody is behaving very appropriately in this scene. Henry even says that right now it seems like what Lucy needs is her real dad and that her real dad is stepping up. Like, Well, I mean, what Lucy needs right now is an actual lawyer, which is what her real dad is. Yeah. She doesn't need a dad. She needs a lawyer. It's just lucky for her she has a dad who is a lawyer. True, true. So this next scene is great. We go to Weaver entering Ronnie's bar and Regina's like, hey, uh, I know your Rumpelstiltskin... I need your help. We need to team up together to stop Victoria. I know, blah, 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 I'm under a curse. But shut up. No, you're not. You're never actually under the curse. I need you to help me. She tells him that Ivy has teamed up with Mother Gothel, so they definitely need to team up. And he's like, I don't know what you mean, Ronnie. And she's like, really? We're really fucking doing this? And she's like, yeah. She tells him Henry is in trouble. You love Henry. He's your grandson. We need to, like, work together. And and he's like, I'm too young to have a grandson. And she's like, really? (laughs) She also says, you know we can't go to Storybrooke for help. Which makes me think that's also part of what's going to happen when they break the curse. Yeah, I'm assuming, I don't know, everyone in Storybrooke dies if the curse breaks or something. I I don't know. I guess we'll find out when they decide to tell us. Yeah. So Weaver's just like, yeah, no, this is all bullshit. I'm out of here. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you need to sober up, Ronnie. And Virginia's like, what about fucking Bill? You gonna tell me you don't recognize fucking Bill? And Rumple has his back to Regina, so we see his face. And he, and this is why I feel like we know he's awake. He looks very pained at what he's about to have to say. But he says, who's Bill? When his face is away from the camera, he is a expression on his face but when he turns back she's like fine that's the way you want to play it fine i think she realizes that if he's willing to lie about not knowing who bell is there's really no reaching him because that's like supposedly the only thing he cares about regina also asks him if he's hiding because he's worried about the guardian so that's probably going to be a thing that's a piece of information we've just been given is the Guardian the person who's supposed to be able to break him out of the Dark One curse? Didn't they have a special name? I don't know. Eh. So. Are you saying that Hyperion Heights? Are you saying that Hyperion Heights is Rumpelstiltskin's Shunshu prophecy? God. So, Regina's like, fine. Look, go. Don't help me. I guess I'll have to find someone else. Yep. Let the speculation, for us at least, because other people have already seen this, or could Wikipedia, right? Or else could Wikipedia it. But let the speculation about who that someone else is going to be begin. I think it's going to be Zelina. Yeah, I don't know. I know she ends up factoring back into the plot. I think it might be grown-up Robin. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, because I I know there's a thing with baby Robin as an adult now. Ooh. So... Uh, Henry and Ella back in the flashback return to whatever the hell country this is that isn't the Enchanted Forest. And they meet back up with Regina. They tell her what went down. Regina has successfully stopped Alternate Hook from dying. And they say that Alice is going to stay in Wonderland because of the whole poisoned heart thing that Drazilla tricked her into thinking she was cured even though she wasn't. But she does love you, Hook, and doesn't want you to die. So that's nice nice it's nice when people don't want you to die 
She also gave the knight chess piece to them to give to Hook. Because remember, the whole thing was, like, he was her white knight and she was his rook, his tower. And... I mean, that seems like kind of an asshole thing, given that she spent the first part of her life trapped in a tower, but fine. I do like that she pulled a... She was like Belle, but she pulled a legitimate, like, I'm actually going to get out into the Great Wide somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hook's... Want to get out of this provincial tower? (laughs) Yes. Hook says that he gave her the chess piece to remember him by, and they say she doesn't need a piece of plastic to remember you. And they say she doesn't need the chess piece to remember you, she remembers you, and also we're going to figure out this curse. Just put it on the list of things we're doing. Also, the two of us are fucking now. Y'all cool with that, and Regina's like, neat. Yep, Regina wants grandkids. So, Sabine pops her head into the tent, she's like, Hey, there's a situation, uh, Henry, I, I think you need to deal with out here. And Henry, she says there's a guy out here who says he knows you. And Henry comes out and he literally does the Han Solo speech. He, he Which hurts well, me, it hurts me. Well, because the person that Henry has to deal with that Sabine, Tiana, has been, you know, sitting on while they were having their little Wonderland adventure is Nick. And he does the whole Han Solo... Lando to Han Solo. You've got a lot of nerve coming here, you no good swindler. Well, they they literally plot, they literally do the same dialogue for that scene. And then they he's like, ah, oh, they hug. Well, he runs, they, they fake like they're going to punch each other, and then they hug, and... Uh, Nick... I hate this trope so much, because it's basically, like, the no homo of tropes. I don't know. Nick smells Henry's hair there, so. So you're saying some homo? Little homo there. I just, I hate it because it's like the thing that guys are, it's, it's like the act that guys are required to do before they show affection for each other to show that like. Well, at least they don't do the, what is it, anti-gay arm hug or whatever. Oh yeah, where you like hug with one hand and you like try to beat the other person's back up with the other arm. No, it's, you just, you have the buffer arm in front of you. So you, you can do a legitimate hug as long as you have the buffer arm. Oh, okay. But yeah, there's also many variations. There's a Christian side hug thing. I don't know. I didn't have a ton of guy friends because I think this stuff is stupid, but. Uh, and then. Like, show genuine affection. In our rewatch of Friends. It seemed weird that Joey and Chandler had to be shamed every time they hugged each other. And, like, it was a joke that, oh, no, these two men genuinely like each other and enjoy expressing physical affection. Ooh, we have to make jokes about that because it's the 90s. Okay, like, not to get too into it here on our Once Upon a Time podcast, but this is a real societal problem, and it really hurts everybody. It hurts boys and men who can't show affection or receive affection a thing that humans just need and it hurts women who become the girlfriends of these guys who then become responsible for filling all of these emotional needs when you know as humans we're expected to get it from our whole pack and not from one single person and it's terribly draining and it's just bad it's very bad we should all stop it Yep. Okay, that's all I got. 
so... This guy is Jack, by the way, if we didn't say that. He's Jack. Yes, Nick is Jack of presumably the boy Jack stories. Yes. He he, he l- is every Jack. <laughs> he laughs at Henry's joke and says that he's going to have to see Star Wars at some point because Henry has told him about the world without magic. I do love the implied backstory here. Apparently the two of them were adventure bros for a yeah. while. And like he's like Henry's like, oh, I thought you were staying at Akraban. And uh, Jack's like, eh, Akraban got boring. I figured I'd go find my old buddy. And I'm like, okay, so normally this is suspicious as hell, but, you know. We had to bring him into the story. We did. If you want to talk suspicious of hell, Henry introduces Ella to Jack and they shake hands and the camera like zooms in on their clasped hands as though to say, Look at the chemistry between these two. Yeah, I mean, Jack definitely shoots uh, Ella a look. Yeah, he does. Which, come on, three-way. Easy, easy solution to your problem. I don't know why everyone on TV is so opposed to this solution. Back in the real world, Jacinda and Nick are at the foster home to pick up Lucy because in the time between our last Hyperion Heights scene and this Hyperion Heights scene, Jacinda has told everyone the thing she told Henry. Everyone is cool with it. They've gone to court. She's gotten custody back. Like, is this show just refusing to show us any courtroom scenes? Is that part of what's happening? There are no co- uh, there are no courtrooms in the uni- in the many many universes of Once Upon a Time. I guess not. But you know what? I'm kind of okay with it because. We didn't need several episodes of her fighting for custody. Jacinda just has Lucy back now. Also, we're very conspicuously not seeing the inside of this foster home. Oh, I don't think that's a thing. I think they just didn't want to build that set. Mm. Because Uh, all all of the scenes with Lucy in this episode have taken place on the porch of this foster home. Oh, see, that didn't bother me at all because I just thought of it as 100% a budget thing. And when, when she leaves, she just runs out of the door. Like, there's no one there. It's just, bam, out the door. There's a woman in the doorway, but... We don't see her that much, so yeah. So Jacinda introduces Lucy to uh, Nick, and Lucy's like, uh, "You're not my real father." Yeah, she, Henry's she, my real father. The book said so. She's polite, but uncomfortably so. She's like, "Thanks." We got from that to this really well composed shot of. It's just going back down the bar. It's pulling out from the end of the bar. And we go through all of these lines of fear to Henry, who is at the end of all of these lines of fear, very drunk. Yes, Henry has just drunk, according to this shot, his fifth beer. I like how he's just, he drinks one beer, then he puts it down. He moves to the next stool, drinks another beer, puts it down. Yeah, you know what that's like? What? The tea party in Alice in Wonderland. Huh. Huh. Yeah. So he's on his manyth beer, and Ronnie's like, so things didn't go great with Jacinda? And he's like, no, they went great with Jacinda, just not with me and Jacinda. See, this is where I'm like, just tell him! Yeah, because he's like, maybe Lucy's right, maybe we are cursed and we can't be together. Oh my god, just tell the boy what's going on! But she doesn't. Instead, she goes on this thing about how, like, look, Victoria Belfry's locked up, but we have bigger more complicated issues right now which i'm not going to get into the specifics with you for no good reason but i'm going to san francisco to get help from someone who doesn't like me but who 
you know, could help us in this situation. And Henry's like, I really feel like I could use more information here. Actually, he doesn't say that. He's like, okay, road trip. Yeah, because she's like, I need to get out of town. It seems like you need to get out of town. And since the two of us are consistently the only characters who are never trapped by curses, do you want to just go help me get this woman? He's like, eh. Henry's like, what an opportunity to show off my Spotify playlist. Yes, he says that because Henry... Henry, for all of his virtues, is still a 20-year-old white boy in Seattle. You think he's doing a Kieran Gillen thing? You, you know the thing Kieran Gillen does with all of his all the comic arcs he writes? What is that? Uh, he has, I think it's a SoundCloud or a Spotify or something. He builds playlists for each one of his, the story, the comic stories he writes. Oh, that makes sense. I did not know he did that. That's great. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I remember... Back when I was in high school, I would build playlists for the comics I read to listen to. So, like, there was a specific playlist I would listen to when I was reading Transmetropolitan, because... Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I like Kieran... Like, Kieran Gillen seems like a really cool person. I can never get into his stuff because it feels too cool for me, if that's the right thing to say. I totally know what you mean. He's plugged into youth culture in a way that I am not, and it makes it kind of hard for me to read his books. But, I mean, they're very well written. They're well worth checking out. That wasn't my recommendation. That was just a thing. So, Alice is hanging out by the... Troll statue? The Hyperion Heights troll. Sure. And Hook comes up and he's like, hey... I realized that maybe I was kind of being a dick about what went down earlier. And, like, it makes sense that you trusted Weaver over me. You don't really know me. And I get that you're feeling kind of bummed and used and stuff. But look what I got you. I got you a chess set. And, you know, maybe I can be the new guy you trust now. Yeah, he also admits to her that he feels at he feels weirdly at loose ends because his whole thing was i have to find this missing girl I have to find this missing girl and he found her and he still feels this emptiness which we know is because he's still looking for his daughter but he doesn't even know that his daughter is missing and also he doesn't even know that his daughter is alice he's like i found the girl i was looking for but i still have this weird missing girl feeling and i don't know what to do with that there's still a missing girl shaped hole in my heart and alice is like yes i know that feeling also since they are at the hyperion troll we should say because we have been informed that the hyperion troll was rebuilt in vancouver to shoot these scenes Ah. and now that i know that and i'm looking at it i can see it does look a little smaller than the real troll Back at Ronnie's bar, Jacinda comes running in to tell Henry that she's totally ready to bang him, but instead finds Remy. Remy. Remy, who is a local restaurant owner whose business is so slow, he can apparently just hang out and run Ronnie's bar while she's in California with Henry. Well, he runs a cater company. Well, he runs a catering company. Did he run the catering company that Jacinda... Yes, he did. So, Jacinda's like... Oh, okay, I guess I'll have to leave this mixtape I made for Henry on the bar, sadly, because he ran away to be in California. You probably have a cell phone. You could text him. Does she have a cell phone? Because she's over here making mixtapes. 
Uh, uh, but come on, if you're trying to get into Henry Mills' pants, you make a mixtape. Yeah, <laughs> it is the key to Henry's penis is a mixtape. So, uh, meanwhile, back at the Belfry Tower, uh, Ivy has found the box containing her dead sister. Oh, is it? Yeah, turns out it's not. She found the dead sister box, but it is minus a dead sister. Yeah, she gets very excited about waking up her sister and stealing her magic, but then she opens the box and, oh no, y'all, it's empty. It's like Mary Magdalene showing up at the tomb and Jesus is missing. (laughs) That is what it's like. I'm sorry, it's just the whole... You said Jesus is missing, it immediately sent me into the, you know, the first Luigi game, Mario is Missing. (laughs) It's an educational game where you travel around the world trying to find Jesus to help you learn geography. Where in the world is Jesus Christ? God. The end. The end. That is the end of this episode. So, I feel like this was sort of less rambly than our episodes usually are. We still managed to talk about it for a really, really long time, but, like, this was a genuinely good episode. The acting was good, the writing was good, the sets were good. Like, I don't know. Are you saying that our episodes are shorter when we don't have stuff to complain about? Actually, I don't think that's true either. I think we just talk about weird shit for longer. It's true. I think we just go off topic more. Yeah, that's accurate. I guess it depends on how much stuff they managed to fit in an episode, but yeah, this was a good episode and the show's good now, which makes me scared because I don't know what to expect. Let's just, let's just enjoy it while we can. Yes. So, uh, recommendations. Do you have one? Um, my recommendation was going to be totally off the wall and that was just Bob Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue because I really love that song and I know this song is and I know this episode's called Pretty in Blue but because of the closeness of the titles I've had Tangled Up in Blue in my head for like a week now all right mine is also kind of at best a side recommendation but it is the book the Diana Wynne Jones book A Tough Guide to Fantasyland which is basically a It's basically a traveler's encyclopedia for going through this one magical country. Oh, that sounds cool. And the the main reason, the main thing about this episode that made me think about it was, you know, Alice's status as someone who travels from realm to realm. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds like a perfect recommendation for this episode. Yeah, it's really good. It's basically just a guidebook for someone who's visiting a particular fantasy land. Okay, say the name again. Uh, it's called A Tough Guide to Fantasyland. It might also, it might actually be A Rough Guide to Fantasyland, but I think it is A Tough Guide to Fantasyland by Diana Wynne-Jones. Nice. Who has done a lot of books I really like, like The Merlin Conspiracy. Ooh. Yeah. H- have you read The Merlin Conspiracy? No, but I love that title. It's really good. And it also deals with uh, traveling between different countries and a lot of stuff with different timelines. So that might be a recommendation in the future. Nice. Okay, Fashion Corner. Um... So, like I said when we were watching the episode, I just adored Ivy's very simple uh, white shirt, black coat, silver skirt outfit when she was visiting Mother Gothel in the tower. And Jacinda's, like, very simple cut navy dress was so beautiful. I have a side thing. It's sort of a really mixed bag thing because Sabine, 
was wearing one outfit throughout the whole episode, even though I think several days passed over the course of the episode, but she wears this... Yeah. I really liked her shirt. She had... I. Did, 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 did you not like it? I, did, kif- I didn't like it, but go ahead. It's sort of this see-through yellow shirt with these white dots over, like, under it, sort of. I I thought it looked a little Holly Hobby. I liked it. It seemed very character-specific for her. See, it didn't seem in character for her to me. It seemed it's, too... It's like fireflies. Is that what it was supposed to look like? Okay. Yeah, the the yellow see-throughness is the light, and the white and the white dots are the fireflies. Okay, I guess if that's what they were trying to go for, that makes sense. It looked kind of adorkable, you know? Mm. It's like, it's what I would expect a... Manic pixie dream girl to wear? Yeah. Her pants were that. I hated her pants. It was really weird because I loved her top, but the pants were awful. Well, she's actually wearing tights under a skirt, and I do that all the time. That's fine, but it wasn't... It. It was this weird, thick red skirt? It was like a red corduroy skirt. With this giant zipper thing down the middle of it it looked real weird this is what i'm saying her whole outfit felt very out of character for her yeah it did have a little i'm trying very hard to be quirky in an indie movie feel yes she looked like an indie movie heroine so next week's episode is called one little tear and the netflix description says victoria's quest to awaken anastasia unlocks the truth about her surprising backstory roger suspects weaver is up to something gosh really really you think weaver's up to something the guy who you know very obviously hid a girl's kidnapping shocker also like it's okay it's not like his it's not like it's his job to notice when people are being suspicious or anything i mean he already knows that this is a guy who recreationally tortures people so yeah. He's yeah. not really on top of things as is. Oh, but, Rogers. Yeah, I think that'll about do it for this week. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so, all right. Welcome to Storybook. Welcome to Storybook is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you could head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, and Rosa. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. Uh, we can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Split up on a dock sad night for the tea and it was Turned around to look at me as I was walking away. I heard her say, oh.